Hello everyone and welcome to Chat, Grapple and Cheap Pops podcast with myself Chris Dredd and the main man Jordan JB. What's happening? Good, good stuff man, good stuff. I hope everyone's alright out there. Um, me and JB trying to hit up the second video in a few days because we left it, there was a bit of a gap in between it so we thought that you guys uh, we, we'd smack another one out of the park for you and this is a big one. It really is. It's it's historical, momentous. It's got everything you would want in a mid-90s, outrageously brilliant pay-per-view. And, you know, and it came from WCW. That's right. Who were doing absolutely everything to take over the wrestling business at the time. And... They did a pretty good job. They were throwing so much money at it. Um, they were they were trying to do different things. Um, you know, they were trying to be innovative. And to be fair, I mean, WCW from that time, a lot of the ideas that you see in wrestling today, like the different types of matches, even like Hell in a Cell and things like that, you know, a lot of it originated from original WCW ideas, I would say. Um. I'd agree to a point because a few things that WCW have done have been borrowed, shall we say? Mm-hmm. Um, you know the the angle that comes in the main event was you know was originally taken from a New Japan move around what in the early nineties, which involved you know another promotion and stuff like that. But we don't want to. There's no spoilers here. No spoilers, man. We're going to begin at the Beguin, as they say. Um, So, as you can see, we don't have a VHS or DVD cover. We've got these four beauties as our backing today. And um, for anyone who don't know, obviously, it is Lex Luger, Total Package. You've got Sting. You got Macho Man Randy Savage and the mean Gene Oakland there, and um, huge stars at the time. Huge, huge stars, and these were randomly picked um, to <laughs> represent <laughs> represent the WCW <laughs> against the hostile takeover. So, I mean, what, where do you want to start, Jay? Should we start with a little bit of background as to it? Yeah. Well, absolutely. Let's start. May 27th, Monday Nitro on the great channel known as TNT. Um, a very, very familiar figure starts bowling his way through the crowd to interrupt a pretty standard match between the Mauler and Steve Doll. Yeah. And the first thing he says is, you know who I am? I'm not going to do the uh, accent, but you don't know why I'm here. And it's Razor. Razor, baby. Not Paul, Razor Ramon, Diamond Stud, if you want to go that far back. Yeah. You know, he's jump ship. And he's obviously looking to start a war. He was was looking for a billionaire Ted's um, big bucks. He was looking for the money. He was looking for... For where the big boys play, which was the tagline of WCW around that time, where the big boys play. 
And, um, you know, at, at this time, they had, they'd got some big stars that had already been in WWF at the time. They had Lex Luger. They had Macho Man Randy Savage. They also had Hulk Hogan. Um, main eventers. Main eventers. Um, and at the time of this pay-per-view, um, July 7th, 1996, Ocean Center, Daytona Beach, Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, by that time... Uh, Hulk, Hulk Hogan had not been seen on TV, I believe, for maybe, I'd, I'd say, close to six to seven, eight weeks, maybe. Well, he wasn't the world champion. He wasn't the true. world champion, yeah. Mm-hmm. Commonplace at the time. Hogan, at that point, was champion for a lot of it. He was always involved in some way, shape or form with the title or with whoever had the title. Um you know, he'd been in the, the bouts where, you know, he'd, the, the giant had been thrown off a building. Um, oh, they had the um, the monster truck thing that they did. So Hogan, Hogan was involved predominantly in everything that was going on in WCW at that time. But then for whatever reason, it was probably movies. Um, it was probably other commitments that he had that obviously WCW had said to him, fine, you can do this stuff. If you sign with us, we'll give you some time off whatever when you need to do this. I don't well, know if, if he was injured at all, do you think? I mean, with Hogan, you could never never really tell. I, no. I think it was predominantly movies. Um that he, that he was off with, and it, it had to be. But, but preceding this pay per view, he'd been off. I reckon at least six or seven weeks. Um, uh, yeah, that's probably about right because on June tenth on Nitro, Scott Hall brings out his uh, his good buddy. Yep. Former WWF champion. You may remember him in WCW as Oz. Mm-hmm. Or Vinny Vegas. I had, get, I, had to, I had to get that in. Gotta there. get it in every time. <laughs> um, Kevin Nash or Diesel, whoever. Big Daddy Cool. Him, Big Daddy yeah. Cool. Yeah, baby. You know he's there to see you know where the big boys play, and they eventually get to the Great American Bash where he, he jackknifes Eric Bischoff off the stage. I mean, now this is a much better jackknife than the one we saw at WrestleMania 11. Yep, it was. Let's just clarify that. He's obviously been working hard at it. <laughs> it's a much better jackknife. And, you know, it all leads to here. It all leads to the random drawings, as you brought up, of a team of three, Luger, Sting and Savage, against Hall, Nash and the third man. We'll get to the third man, I think, around about the main event. I think it's probably best that we save it. Yeah. Um, um, go on, mate. I was just going to say, you know, it, it seemed that when the two guys come in, Hall and Nash, when they came in, um, everybody in WCW was kind of felt a bit threatened. And that's what they were actively paying. I mean, you even had um, the four horsemen, you know, saying things, uh, negatively against them, and I would have thought that they would have been quite happy to have a few bad guys in there doing some bad things. Um, yeah, it's especially a, it's a, against these. It was a genuine threat to the company. Yeah, they, it, that's what it was played as. It was like these and guys, they're coming in and they're ta- they're taking over. 
Um, you know, and that's what it was played. And, you know, we, you see at the start of this pay-per-view, as it comes in. Um, I, I have to I have to jump in because this is going to, I don't know if we haven't spoke about this and we haven't brought it up. I'm a little bit annoyed. I've got here on my brief notes here before the pay-per-view even starts. They decide to tape an episode of WCW main event. Yeah, on the same night. On the same night before the Correct. pay-per-view. And there's two matches on this main event episode that should have been on the pay-per-view for sure. Yeah, go for it. Tag Team Champions Harlem Heat take on the Steiner brothers. Yeah. Why is that not in the show? Yeah. And this match, which definitely should have been on any show anywhere in the world, Eddie Guerrero and Lord Stephen Regal. Uh, absolutely. Both of those matches would have made this pay-per-view a great pay-per-view. Would have made money. It would have made money. But I I you I mean let's in 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 the uh in the vein of trying to be positive, uh yeah. there's a couple of matches on here, however, that probably could have been taken off the pay-per-view and the regal Guerrero match could have been put in and the Harlem Heat Steiner Brothers match could have been put in it put in. Yeah. Because there's I can think of two straight off the top of my head that could have just I would not have shed a tear if they weren't on this pay per view at all. I'm I will, I'm sure we'll get to them. Yeah. Um It's like a very said, strange it's... decision why they had that on the on on the Saturday night's main event. Because it is baffling really why it's they would demote one, it. But I mean, who are we to pick the brains of one Eric Bischoff? Well, he wasn't even there. He, he wasn't isn't even there. He's missing. M-I-A. Showtime. Um, like you said, Ocean Center, Daytona Beach, Florida. You know, this is a big, you know, so Florida at the time is a big sort of money area for WCW. It's where they've had other bash at the beaches. You know, they've, or even Beach Blast, I think they've made Beach Blast, yeah. really well at yep. these places. Our three-man commentary booth for the evening. Tony Schiavone, Bobby the Brain Heenan, and the American Dream. Indeed. Off the road. What a what a trio this is, because they have fun all night. They do. It's it, it there's some real cracking moments. Um but the, even these guys, from from the moment the pay-per-view starts, there's they're playing off this all oh, we're a bit nervous. Um Oh, yeah. Bischoff has been smashed through the stage at Great American Bash. They've got security guards all around them as it starts. Um, one match actually makes it up to the announce booth as well. A couple yeah. of guys from one of the matches actually make their way up there and they start panicking a little bit and telling them to go and uh, that kind of thing. So, it's um, yeah, they're playing the whole... What is going to happen? You know, we we don't know what's going on. We don't know who this third man is. Um, you know that, and that's the, the, I mean, these guys they they did great. I think the uh, commentary team they did very well. Um, Heenan is on amazing form all night long. Yeah, Dusty is great. You know, with his bits and pieces. I mean, we even get Mike Tenay. Um, yes, we do. Turns up in our first match. Yes. 
Which was real know. good fun. Really good fun on the commentary. I think I think we can we can jump straight into it. Psychosis and Rey Mysterio Jr. And uh, at this time, Rey Mysterio Jr., as everybody will know, is obviously Rey Mysterio, but they dropped the Junior. Um, it, I, I don't know when they dropped the Junior, but they've dropped the Junior. They drop it when he goes to WWE. Right. So the, the Rey Mysterio was 21. Yeah. 21 years old. Psychosis, 25. At this time, they've had a feud in Mexico, literally going back years. They both went to the same training school. This all comes out in the commentary. Well, um, this is it. I mean, this feud has already played out in Philadelphia. You know, in in a, in ECW, they did this. They did their whole bit before they moved on yeah. to WCW. But they did. Yeah. You know, they'd already played played this this scene out. In front of you know the ECW arena, which doesn't hold a lot of people, but there is a few tapes and maybe you know a few like knocking about of their their match in ECW. Yeah. But I mean, this is. I mean, I'm, I put this in my notes. This wouldn't be the last thing WCW stole from ECW. Um, no, and. Just I'm being a, a very quick thought. There's a guy in the front row who's got an ECW shirt smack bang in the middle <laughs> in the front row and he's got an ECW t-shirt on. Um, also, very quick side note, talking about the crowd, I noticed at least on two occasions in this pay-per-view security taking signs off people. Yeah, I saw that. Um, and I noticed what one of them definitely said 100%. Um, and I wasn't sure. I, I kept trying to catch. There was another like a banner one that was like a printed out banner thing. But I can't quite remember what was on that. But I do know what was printed on one of them. And we'll get to it um, fairly soon. But yeah, first match, Psychosis. Um, also, a very quick side note, dude. Sorry. One of my most prized possessions of wrestling memorabilia is a signed picture by Psychosis. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just thought I'd let you know. So, that's good stuff. <laughs> I mean, for me, this was probably the best match. Could, could have been the best match on the pay-per-view, really, mm-hmm. as you're talking technical wrestling yeah. um, matches go. I would say it was it was absolutely phenomenal. It's, incre- it's an incredible match, and we'll get, we'll get through some of it, and there are bits and pieces that really stick out. Um, yeah. As we said, Mike Tanay joins the booth. Uh, Bobby Heenan is on fire throughout. And I've got a couple of quotes here. Um, he says that Ray Mysterio Jr.'s hair, he has hair like Demi Moore. Because he's, the G.I. Jane had just come out at that time. Gone. Yeah. yeah. And Psychosis has hair like Peg Bundy. Yeah. <laughs> another Married with Children reference. Yeah. And That's he did. Two, two, two shows, right? Yeah. Yeah, we had we had a King Kong Bundy who would be in Married with Children from WrestleMania 11. Yeah, and now we have Peg Bundy references. I mean, Heenan's on fine form. He is. You know, things start out really technical. It's uh, it's a good start. It's you know they're getting straight to it. A dive by Psychosis out to the floor where his head goes under the yeah uh, the barricade. Yeah. 
it just looks so dangerous. Yeah. There's a few um, points. There's a few parts in this match that, I mean, you can tell that these guys have done this, you know, times. hundreds of times. The suicide dives, the hurricane runners, the the moon, the the <laughs> the acai style moonsault. Um, yeah. You know, it, it, it's um, it's great to see, man. And 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 we've got to also think this is mainstream 1996. WCW, there wasn't really anything like this in WWF at that time, I would say. We'd seen it in ECW, but there wasn't nothing coming from that company up north um, that really was 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 close to this. I mean, who was who was the high flyers they would have had at this time? One, two, three, kid. Um. You know, was Marty Jannetty still around? Who Sh- knows? Shawn Michaels, you know. And they're still, even though, even they're, they're, they're bigger than these guys. Yeah. So. And I've just a, a massive shout out to the Mexicans' um, attire yeah. as well. Psychosis, his costumes were always top notch, as Rey Mysterio. A lot of presentation, um, a lot of emphasis put on the presentation. And also these guys had wrestled the night before in Mexico as yes, had Conan. Right. So they'd all traveled down all three of them from Mexico. And they had, they'd all traveled down, traveled up from, from Mexico from the night before. Uh, so they would have been absolutely fucked from that anyway. And to put on a match like this. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Um, I have a question. There's a guillotine leg drop from yeah. Psychosis. You know, it's it's beautiful. But Fantastic. Who does, who does it better? Psychosis yeah. or beautiful Bobby Eaton? I mean, Bobby Eaton's got a great leg drop off the, um, off oh, the yeah. top. But the I, Alabama I, Jam. You know what? I really, I really like Psychosis is because he linked it with another one where... So he did the guillotine leg drop off the top... And then as Rey Mysterio rolled over, he kind of pulled him over to the side, then jumped over and did a, another leg drop on the apron of the ring. Yeah. And then he walked out, walked round and walked back into the ring. Psychosis, the way these guys work was just absolutely phenomenal. The way that, you know, they would work with the referee and work around the referee. And there's a, there's a point where before um, Psychosis does his suicide dive out on Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio gets thrown out of the ring and there's two chairs right in front of him and Rey throws the chairs out of the way very quickly before Psychosis comes out to save them both getting clattered yeah. with the chairs. So they're very... They're, I mean, 21 and 25, but they're like seasoned it's, veterans. It's ring, it's ring savvy, isn't it? They're it's, absolute it's, it's really fucking good. pros, man. They're, 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 you know, the, the amount of time, collective hours that these guys have spent in the ring it's just phenomenal, and you can see it's in the in-ring in in-ring product that you see before you in this match. It is a great match, a good twenty odd twenty minute match. Um, just for reference, I'm picking Bobby Eaton's Alabama Jam. Oh yeah, psychosis. yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, I mean, what, to be honest, move I, I'm a, I'm a huge psychosis fan. Let, let me say that that's why I pick psychosis. When yeah. I was wrestling, I actually had a mask made for me. I, I'm called Chris Dread. And obviously, people that don't know, I used to have dreadlocks, massive dreadlocks. And as you know, when we was in the ring together, they would be quite handy easy. to drag me around Very the ring easy. with. Um, and I used to have a mask 
with my dreads coming out the top fashioned after psychosis and um i'm a huge psychosis fan i love the the character the way he used to put his body on the line the stuff he used to do so yeah that's why i picked psychosis i think i've got a little bit of a sweet spot big psychosis fan but give me two seconds Boyaka, boyaka. Sometimes you know you can't help yourself when you're in Mexico and you've got a ton of like money on the side to buy random stuff. Absolutely, man. When in Mexico, I've got a luchador mask as well from Mexico that my sister got for me, and they actually talk about in this uh, in this match. You know, you can just buy them on the street. They're best selling merchandise. (laughs) Bobby Heenan goes. You, you you can't buy you can buy these in a bank <laughs> something like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, they make a point that Ray's from San Diego. Brain decides that he's going to say that Ray is the original San Diego chicken. That's correct. As me chuckling. <laughs> and then and 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 uh, Shivani says, "Oh, you get away with some stuff here, man. You get away with saying some stuff here." He's got some absolute brilliant lines in this. He, I mean, I've got a few of them as, as we go through some of the stuff that he, um, that he says, yeah. even at the end of this match, like, you know, it's it, it, just absolutely fantastic. Um, there's a hurricane to the floor from Rey Mysterio. It's like excellent stuff. It's really nice. Yeah. Picture perfect. Um, I, I put in here because they carried on, they were going on about it quite a lot. So I thought I'd note it down. That the uh, the commentary booth was, you know, expressing real worry for Eric Bischoff. Still, yeah, it'd be a recurring theme throughout the night. Um, the crazy sent on to the floor from psychosis. Yeah, I've got that down as well. That would that would have hurt. Yeah, it's. I just you know, I know sometimes you think what were you thinking, and then you realise you know it's life. You know you're up there. You got to do something. That's right. It's uh. It's pay-per-view, you know, you're not going to get away with, you know, stepping down. And, well, this is why they had Mike Tanay on the commentary, because yeah. Mike Mike Tanay was was saying, he was he was talking about the technical moves and he had the names for the moves. So, you know, you had American Dream, Dusty Road, don't know what a senton is, you know what I mean? So he, he, he's just talking about, you know... Uh, the, the the basics and then you've got Mike Tanay saying yeah that's a senton they call that a senton bomb and even the finishing move or the attempted finishing move where they they, they were talking about the spa- splash mountain and all that splash kind mountain. of thing you know the, into a Frankenstein or Hurricane Rana or whatever which is another move that I used to love doing um in the ring and it's um you know it's uh it's nice they had Mike today or Iron Mike as they kept calling him and um, Iron Mike from Las Vegas. Yeah. You know they had uh they there were t- Iron Mike was talking saying something then he stopped and then Bobby Heenan went to say something and then uh Shivani said oh I was talking to my Iron Mike and then he says oh <laughs> all right fine like that and then it goes silent for like two seconds like slightly after this and then Dusty Rhodes just about to speak and he says no no wait a minute he was just about to speak to Iron Mike so yeah he's just he like really like makes it awkward just it's... brilliant absolutely fantastic we I mean like I say rest in peace Bobby the Brain Heenan one of the best wrestling brains out there um, best Dusty. commentators best managers um, and even his in ring work guys watch. Bobby the Brain Heenan 
wrestle. The guy can wrestle, man. He could wrestle. He was a great psychologist, and his matches were absolutely phenomenal. So watch some of them if you can get them on online or whatever. Did you manage to catch during a? It's an exchange in the ring. Did you manage to catch Dusty just faintly say the word "beautiful" during an exchange in the um, in the ring between? I, I think. I think so. Just before one of them slides out, I think he, he says "beautiful." I think, I think um, Ray ends up on Psychosis' shoulders. Oh yes, wait, but, yeah. yes, where he does and a backwards goes, yeah, roll. Yeah jumps up and then ends up on his shoulders. Yes, yeah. I do I did catch it. And you just about hear Dusty say say beautiful. Like Dusty, you know, Dusty was never working like that back in the eighties, but he never. understood like what what great wrestling looked like and yeah. you can really tell he's enjoying himself. Yeah. And I've got here, you know, it's a twisting a twisting cannonball. It's more like a they called it an assay style movie. It was more like a cannonball. Yeah. Um Ray hits his leg on the barricade. That looks you know, brutal. Fantastic. A little bit, yeah. A little bit close to the barricade there. And yet, yeah. It doesn't look like he hurts himself too bad. Again, words that I'm going to use a lot is beautiful. Like a sit out power bomb, psychosis. Like really good stuff. Yeah. He's, you know, these guys are because he jumps in hump. Ray, Ray jumps in the ring to give him the hurricane rana, and just before yeah. he does it, he sit down power bombs him. Um, yeah, it's incredible. Just a just a great thing when um when Mike Tanay says, "Oh, there's um Rey Mysterio Jr. with a twisting acai style moonsault," and then you just got Bobby Brain goes, "What acai?" Like <laughs> he just it's so good. He goes, "What acai? Where'd you where'd you get these words from?" And then um I think uh, the dream or some or Tony says, you know, look, he 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 studies his craft or whatever, you know, and he yeah. he, he he knows his stuff. It's um, it, it, and he calls <laughs> Bobby the Brain at the end. He goes, yeah, that's a a keep him a flapping or something like that. When he just <laughs> uh, psychosis goes for a splash mountain, Ray reverses it into a hurricane rana. It's it's really good stuff for Looks the free great. count. You know, you can tell the fans are so into this at the beginning. You know, it's a, and it become a bit of a theme on, you know, WCW shows and eventually, you know, in WWE, like Ray would open the show. Yeah, he he did he, it on a couple of get, WrestleManias. Yeah. Yeah, you would you know you're getting something you know incredible to start with, and they got that here. You know, really got the fans on board. I mean, I'm sure they're already on board because. The main event was going to draw a crowd anyway, but keeping people entertained, you know, giving them their money's worth in this one for sure. We go from here to Mean Gene with Conan in a strange interview. I'm going to go for. I put very serious interview. It was a strange one. Well, he threatens to cripple Ric Flair's manager. Yep, and he to, threatens to clothesline uh, the women. That's correct. Yep, yep. And chop block the football player. Yeah, I'm fine with that. What the football player? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fine with that. Yeah, okay. Don't get me started <laughs> on, on on the football players match on this one. It's 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 just it's an odd it's an odd interview. Mean Gene is very busy all night. Yeah. Um. But yeah, this was Conan. It was Conan before. He becomes, you know, suave, cool Conan. It's very serious, you know, wrestler yeah. Conan. Yeah. 
And he'd, he'd also wrestled in Mexico the night before they were playing exactly, up. Yeah. The fact that he'd travelled up um, and he'd got himself together and he's ready. Because he was wrestling Ric Flair uh, to uh, defend the USA Championship that Conan had. And this brings us to the uh, Carson City Silver Dollar match. I had to oh. make sure I got that right. Oh, my... oh, dude. Yeah, my brain hurt on this one. Yeah. Um, it's Big Bubba, Ray Trailer, Big Boss Man, you know, as we know him, you know, as kids and stuff, um, against John Tenter, who was Shark in WCW, yep. Avalanche in WCW, Earthquake again, like around the time Boss Man was in WWF. Yeah. Uh, I, I genuinely wasn't sure on how this match was going to work. It was a, to break it down, it was a sock filled with coins. On a pole match. Yeah, but let's get... The pole wasn't just a pole. It was flipping huge. This thing... It it was the size of nearly three men. It was absolutely huge, this pole. Yeah. It, and you've got two guys that are 300 pounds plus. 400 pound plus. In poles that there's no way on your Nelly they are ever going to be able to climb this pole. And the, the shot they had of the, the sock filled with coins, let's not take that away um, just yet. It looked incredibly phallic. It did. It looked it looked <laughs> cheap as well. It looked cheap. It looked like it looked like Mr. Socko um, it, with grey gaffer tape on it. It yeah, it was um it was something. And I'm gonna I'm gonna try and be positive here. It's two guys that are a little bit past it in their prime. They're definitely not in their prime here. Tenter's in better shape than he was when he was uh, Earthquake, though. He'd, he'd trimmed down a fair bit, I would say, yeah. compared to the Earthquake years. But, like I said, two guys that are probably just a little bit over the hill. But, yeah, there's not a lot to go on here. I've got a you know a big bump from the top rope from Tenter. Like, Do you know the best thing about this match? Go on. Bobby the Brain Heenan's commentary, mate. My notes in this match are basically a little bit of why have two massive guys do a match like this, um, yeah. and then the uh, and then the other half is just basically Bobby the Brain Heenan quotes. Um, oh, is it? What one of them is? Uh, did you know that when Tenter was born, he was two hundred and eighty-seven pounds, and then <laughs> and then Shivani goes. I don't believe that at all. <laughs> it's just Heenan is the one, you know, um, like when there was a part in the match when um, Big Bubba had taken a belt off and he had it wrapped around John Tenter's um, thing and it was like a lead and he was pulling it on like a lead. And then Bobby the Brain Heenan says uh, he may have to take him outside. Maybe it's that time of the day. Yeah, I you remember know? that one. That's <laughs> a good one. You know, and it went, he, he hit him with the, when he's whipping him with a belt. Um, yeah, Bobby the Brain Heenan says, "Oh, getting him right in the gills," and he's like, "No, yeah. no, he's not a fish," and he's like, "No, he's not an he's avalanche not a either." Yeah. <laughs> uh, I've got here. Bubba crotches himself. Um, Dusty makes a point. Uh, he says, "There's nothing pretty about this." Yeah, and, and then they all say, "Oh, well, he was right." Yeah, <laughs> and, then, and then yeah, there's nothing pretty about this. And then Heenan says it. And they go, "Oh, we need one more for a barbershop quartet." Yeah. <laughs> Bubba makes Jimmy Hart climb the pole to get the sock. 
Yeah. Um, Bubba ends up getting hit by 10, 10 to it's, you know, but I will say this, there's a huge reaction for Tenta getting the sock. Yeah, there was a pop him, for that. With it. Uh, yeah, there, there was a pop with that. And uh, Heenan, to quote Heenan, when they're showing the replay, he says, whack, right in the yap, um, which was great. Um, I I just thought this was, um, it was just meh, this match. Um, it, I mean, like I say, we try and be positive and that, but sometimes things are just shit. And um, they've, <laughs> been, they've been playing this angle before because John Tentar turned up with half a head of hair. Um, they'd shaved, yeah. he'd shaved his beard off in previous episodes of Nitro or Saturday Night. Um, and Tenta literally had half his head shaved. So he had half of his like hair and literally a straight line down the back and it balled on the other side. Um, he actually pulls out uh, tape, um, Big Bubba, and tapes John Tenta to the ropes. And... Um, he gets scissors out to maybe cut his beard or cut some more hair off. And then basically he gets hold of the scissors, cuts the tape. And then he's, you know, there's no way these guys are getting up that pole. So they're looking at it thinking, how are we going to get this? And obviously the scissors come into play with trying to get the pole down. We won't give it all away. But like I say, I, 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 I wasn't impressed by this match, to be honest. Like I say, a couple of guys a bit over the hill. If it weren't for Jimmy Hart shimmying up the pole and getting it, I think... It could have know, been here all night, yeah. Yeah, it, it was, it was never going to happen. I thought, that, I thought, honestly, one of them was going to bend it down, put all their weight on it and pull it down. I mean, it could, someone might have suggested it. Mm. Um, we've got the commentary booth talking about you know the third man and like you know they 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 deserve to know who it is and you know it's uh, it's it's worrying them that they're not being told who this third man is. They say to Heenan uh, to ask Woody, his yeah. his his uh, <laughs> his informant. Um, we've got Mean Gene. With Savage, Luger, and Sting, right there. This promo that you see before <laughs> you, they're all um, in makeup. It's it's wild. It's chaotic. One of the lines that I got out of it was the unknown gives Sting a dry mouth. It does. Yeah. <laughs> Is it the unknown gives him a dry mouth? It gives yeah. him uh, goose pimples all over his body, and it does the same to the total package, and it does the same to the Macho Man. I mean, what. A- crazy promo this is it's unbelievable it is it's a step back to the 80s a little bit this a little bit yeah that's what i was thinking it it just it's just yeah it's just a little step back in time because it's all just it's so intense it's wild it's out of sorts you know yeah mean jeans doing brilliantly to keep it all together i mean luger looks ripped in this absolutely a lot bigger than he does in our last episode yeah a lot bigger he's been on that uh Orange juice. He was hitting the Ico Pro. He was, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, we, I'm, we'll move on. We'll get to the was it the taped fist match? Yeah, just a, just a quick one. The exit of this of this promo is just fantastic, where they all kind of have a bit of a growl off, um, and they're all kind of flexing, oh, duh, and they're all like right in the camera with their biggest meanest face, um, and it's just yeah, it's a bit laughable but it's funny because they're still playing up the they don't know who the third man is and all this kind of stuff and yeah i mean you know it was it was fine <laughs> it was fine it's, it's good stuff it's, it was good 
But yeah, the taped fist match. Um, a weird sort of gimmicky match to stick on, you know, another one because we've just had the Carson City Silver Dollar match. That's hard to say, but that one is. Um, but tape fist match, a lot easier to say. It's DDP who's working his way up the card against Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Yeah. I'm not going to shout ho. Um, Full of cheap pops running down to the ring with a flag. And the it's old, what this uh, show was made for. You know, the tongue in the side of the... You know. um, Duggan, yeah, American flag waving. It's it's real cheap sort of pop stuff. It's, I mean, it's great for us. And the live crowd seemed to enjoy it for a bit. For a bit. Um, Heenan, Heenan says that the whole Duggan family was punchy. Yeah, that they're punchy. His mama was punchy. His grandmama was punchy. He's like, no, they're punchers. <laughs> yeah. It was great. Um, again, this one doesn't have a lot to, to go on. It's not, it's not, a, I mean, not a big match in terms of what's going on in the show. But DDP tapes Duggan to the ring post. Um, and yeah, there's, again, there's not a lot to it. I've got here underneath that is Heenan in fine form because he's just letting them go one after the other. Um, they're fighting over a ring, I believe, the battle bowl ring. They're, they're fighting over the battle bowl the, ring, yeah. The, the, yeah. yeah. Battle it's... bowl was, was a big deal in, in, the, in the early 90s, but I don't remember it being so big in mid-90s. No. You also see a, a, a very quick cameo of the crab cam. The crab cam. The crab cam. It's uh, like a toy crab, yeah? And it's you're looking from the point of view. So as they're coming down the aisle, you've got the yeah. two crab claws, and then the camera is like the point of view of the crab. And he appears in another part of the uh, oh. pay-per-view as well. So this is the first time you briefly see the crab cam. I mean, should we, should we give a brief moment to the set and how great the set looked? Yeah, man, always big up the set. I mean, you get to yeah. see a lot more of the set in the match between um, Public Enemy and the Nasty Boys. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, DDP wins with a diamond cutter. I, got not, I haven't got a lot to go on here, like with this one. I did, you know, I've sat and watched it and there aren't many highlights from this. But DDP wins with a diamond cutter. The diamond cutter is not as over as it will eventually get. Yeah. In WCW. Um, and then DDP wins it. Duggan cheap shots him with a tape fist punch. Yeah, and it's stupid the way he doesn't even really tape his fist either. He like, puts a little bit round it, spins it round and then whacks him. But, I mean, again, another high point of this match um, was the security taking a sign off of a fan. And the sign was a very small... They're just oversized A4 thing, and it said Booty Babe number one. And it in in the guy was holding it, um, you know he was he was front row and he was holding it in front of DDP when he was down there and he was holding it down there. So I wonder why they they took that off him. It always these things always play on my mind. I think well okay, what we've all seen the sign. What it's, not, is the... it's not incredibly offensive at the time, it is it? It says Booty Babe number one. That's all it says. Um, Which is referring to Kimberly Page. Kimberly Page. And, yeah. you know, and also the Booty Man, right? Let's get to the Booty Man quickly. 
where did he disappear to? Because when Hogan disappeared, because they they were putting him in some matches and that um, on on Nitro and Saturday Night, and he had the booty babe Kimberly, and then literally, boom, he just. Well, the thing with Booty Man, you know, Ed Leslie, Hogan's friend, for anyone that doesn't know, I'm guessing is when Hogan took time off, there was no one around to push for Ed or Booty Man or whatever you want to call him to push for him to be prominent on shows. I'm guessing he was only on these shows to appease Hogan. Um, And where was Kimberly as well? Because they gave him the Booty Babe. They changed their name to the Booty Babe. Yeah, I like I said, I'm just guessing here that when Hogan was around, it was let's do what Hulk's, Hulk wants. And then when he's not around, Hogan probably wasn't that bothered about what was going on on the show, so they could just get rid of him. He's probably preparing for another gimmick. Um. Also, oh, well, we'll get, no, we'll get to it later. I was going to do a spoiler. Yeah. Um. But yeah, about some something that um someone called Hogan something. Um, but yeah, we'll get to that. So, uh, like I say, a highlight for this um, tape fist match was um, the commentary. It was it was fantastic. You had um, Bobby the There was a part in the match where basically Diamond Dallas Page took Hogan took Duggan to the corner and then taped his legs together with with uh, tape. And uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan says, "Yeah, his legs are taped together like his eyes are." <laughs> Gold. Absolute gold. And also you had a, a time where um, DDP was in the middle of the ropes. He was getting hit repeatedly by uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. He was bouncing up and he was falling backwards and then going forwards and coming backwards. The old classic um, spot where he's, you know, like that yeah. in the ropes. And um, the American Dream says he's lollygagging on the ropes doing the hurly-gurly. Uh, wow. which, yeah, dude, it was. And if you can imagine that in the American Dreams, the way he says it, he's lollygagging on the ropes, doing the holy gully. It was just beautiful. I mean, that's incredible. I mean, if anyone's got a translation, yeah, do do send it in. <laughs> Fantastic, lollygag. That was a high point for me. The lollygagging on the ropes, doing the holy gully, um, and obviously his legs are taped together like his eyes. Yeah. <laughs> We go to Gene with uh, Kevin Sullivan and our world champion, the Giant. Um, <clears throat> it's reference that this is Sullivan's hometown of yep. some of Daytona Beach, I'm guessing. Uh, the Giant says that the horsemen aren't the elite. No. Um, I'm sure you could probably say that one person in the horsemen wasn't the elite at the at this time yeah we'll get to that don't you worry we'll get to him. We'll get... Um, but yeah there wasn't a lot to pick out of this interview um it's just me and gene working overtime tonight the giant looks impressive as as the champion i'm i mean i'm surprised that he's not defending the belt on this show but then you understand why yeah. you know as the show goes on yeah uh, we then cut to lee marshall who's you know, and I'll say this, it's Tony the Tiger. Uh-huh. Lee Marshall, the voice of Tony the Tiger for Kellogg's Frosties. Over here, Frosty here, uh, Frosted Flakes. Yep. In America. Um, I've always found that as a really fun fact. 
and you know it was a uh, it was always fun to hear him speak on there. Uh, he was on Thunder a lot, wasn't he? Yeah, Marshall. Yeah, um, he's with Chris Benoit and Arn Anderson. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say this. Um, I think at this point, there's probably too much for us to say about Benoit and Sullivan. We will do. We will yeah. do a controversial um, episode yeah. at, at some point where we won't necessarily be saying what we think about anything, but the whole controversy, I mean, it's no, it's no secret this pay-per-view begins a certain chapter in the lives of Chris Benoit, uh, Nancy Sullivan and um, the Taskmaster, Taskmaster. Yeah. So there's a there's a few poignant things that get said that going forward to now, knowing what has gone and some people's theories about what happened with Chris Benoit and his family and how that some people believe that. Um, Sullivan might have been involved in some way, shape or form. When you have Benoit saying things like, Sullivan, I'm going to leave you for dead. And you also have uh, him, you know, silent but violent. You have him saying things like that. You know, it's, it's, you know, Benoit, you can't take away. People might want to, but you can't take away what he did in the ring. Um, he was a great wrestler. He was a perfectionist. Um, wasn't the greatest on the mic, but he was believable when he was in the ring, what he was doing. Um, and I think that's a, that's going to be a point for us here, especially on this show. It's strictly what happens in the ring, or unless unless we do that said episode on the whole situation, what we're talking about here is completely in ring on the microphone. Yeah. That's it. Like it's, you know, stuff that we, you know, dare I say, enjoyed watching. We're reviewing the show. Yeah. I mean, let's, you know, we, there's a quote um, by Vince Russo. Okay. And a lot of people will say a lot of things about Vince Russo. Um, I, I, uh, we like Vince. We Russo. like Vince. You know, I like Vince Russo. And he said something quite poignant because he, he in, I mean, I'm subscribed to his YouTube channel. He puts a lot of content out there. And there was a video a few years back about, um, he says something about China. He's talking about China. And apparently he was fairly good pals with her. So he was talking about when Triple H said, you know, that she about her go when when Stone Cold Steve Austin asked Triple H, are we going to see China in the Hall of Fame? And he said the classic never say never, as they always say, you know that things go and come and go, and in wrestling never say never. But that you know basically they ruined China's, they ruined the her life at, at one time. You know one at one one minute she was engaged to Triple H and she was top of the show then next minute she's not and then they've not got really a program for her and you know the stuff stuff like that and um 
you know, basically he says about the people in the Hall of Fame because they were saying about putting China in the Hall of Fame. But then he said, oh, you know, we don't want some eight-year-old kid Googling China and then her being in the Hall of Fame, her Googling China and then seeing all this other stuff that you would see about China yeah. because she did the vivid video, she did the porn and stuff like that, but she was at a point in her life where she had a lot of problems, she didn't have any money, she was this, this, this or whatever, whatever. But then he made the point and he says, look, he said, you can't say that because there's a lot of other people in the Hall of Fame that have done questionable things. You know, if we're looking at their wrestling yeah. ability, you know, we, we, we can talk about, you know, let me throw one out there for you. Superfly Jimmy Snooker. Yeah, let me let me chuck him out there and, and throw him under the proverbial bus quickly. Um, you know, a lot of people have said that he did a certain unthinkable thing you know and it, he's not the only one there's a hell of a lot of people in the hall of fame that if you googled them you'd probably find a lot more information on them than what wwf stroke wwe would want you to so yeah. it's one of those things where i know benoit's slightly different because it is i mean i say it is black and white that he killed his wife and his child and then killed himself um you know, but are we talking, are we separating the in-ring character from Chris Benoit when he went home, you know, so. But for the purpose of these reviews, we are going to separate. That's what, that's what I'm saying. We, this yeah. is what we do. We separate it. So, you know, if we're reviewing China in a, on a pay-per-view, we are reviewing China on the pay-per-view, the character of China. We're not, yeah. um. We're not, you know, looking into the background of Joni Laura, Lorda, um, you know, the person. Um, and that's it. We are, so, we are specifically looking here at the, at the character. Yes. Of Chris Benoit. Yeah. On a television show. Yeah. Or on a, you know, on a pay per view, and that's going to be it. And that. Yeah. It's just a strange one with this pay-per-view where it, it is seemingly fun. the beginning of the relationship on TV between Chris Benoit and Nancy Sullivan. And this is why it's a bit of a weird one and we have to make the point that we are distinctly, you know, we are talking about, about the screen stuff. But it is a bit weird when he says certain things and it just, you know, yeah. it doesn't sit right sometimes. After this, we have <clears throat> we have the dog collar match. Yes, we the do. Texas Tornado dog collar match. Which, I mean, again, another it's a lot of gimmick matches. You know, you started to... Every match had a gimmick. It. Every match had a gimmick or a name to it. You're start, yeah, you're starting to feel it. You're like, you're like you thought, wow, another one. Okay, let's go. Like let's let's have another gimmick match, and it's the public enemy against the nasty boys. Yeah, I'm not a one hundred percent sure who the, who the baby faces are in this match because the fans are doing the waving thing for the public enemy. Yeah, and they're cheering for the nasty boys. They, so yep, that's right. It was for me. I would have much preferred to see. Harlem Heat versus the Steiners, the Steiners. Yeah. rather than this match. Because this is a match also 
we'd, we'd seen Public Enemy and the Nasty Boys beat the shit out of each other previous times to this. It didn't... It, to well, me, it's, it's, it, another, it's another homage to, w, to ECW. Yeah. And, you know, it's... I've got here, it turns ugly quickly. You know, with the, with the rubbish bins and the... You know, and... There's a there's a rubber shark. There's a rubber shark, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's also uh <laughs> there's also there's a rubber shark and the surfboard, but there's also the American dream Dusty Rhodes just about to say he's getting ready to hang ten. Talking the, the old uh, the old surfing chat and Bobby the Brain Heenan says, What? You're about to say getting ready to hang ten? He says and then he turns around and he says, say wipeout, say wipeout. <laughs> like, uh, it's the commentary again. We've got, we've got the classic line of Dusty like saying that they're picking up some plunder. Some plunder, yeah, yeah. Plunder, yeah. Um, I mean, things that stuck out for me, there was a two count on the surfboard. Yep. You know, um, and we spoke about this before because we had a brief chat. The two cameras that were following each, the two guys of on the dog collars, um, it made it made it hot a bit weird to watch. It was like a yeah. bit difficult to it's follow. It's hard to keep track because there was a lot of action going on between both guys. And for me personally, like I, I said to Jordan before, like I I was watching for the majority of it. I, I I tried to flip between the two, but what I was seeing was sags and. Um, no, so you had Nobs was with Grunge, and then you had Rock, Rob, Rocky Rock, Rocco Rock with Sags, and it just looked like oh, I can't explain it. Like Sags was like you said, he was like flinching, but like yeah, Rocco Rock was just shot. he was like tapping him so gently with this with this lid. So you've got the juxtaposed of in one screen. Excuse me. On one screen, on one side, you've got Rock, Rocco, Rock, just tapping, tapping uh, Sags really gently with this bin lid, and then you look to the other screen, and then you've got Johnny Grunge lying on the floor, and you've got Knobs like throwing a chair directly at his head, and like whacking yeah, him with the edge is. of chairs and stuff, like being so savagely brutal, like beating the crap out of him, like. I mean, it also looked like um, Johnny Grunge had uh, maybe a broken wrist um, or, or a partially fractured arm or something. The way that it actually looked like he had a cast on his arm rather than um, it being taped up. Because I know they'd done a bit of a, a program with the Nasties um, leading up to this. They had actually a freeway yeah. dance where you had Legion of Doom or the Road Warriors. Uh, the Road Warriors, the Nasty Boys, and Public Enemy in some match on 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 Nitro, you know, and with, this is something we'd seen. We'd we'd seen the Public Enemy and the Nasty Boys beat the snot out of each other, and I I would have liked to have seen the title match rather. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've got here. There's a really weak table spot. Uh, uh, the table, the, the indestructible table as well, in the that, middle of the that room. In, yeah, then the, the second table that doesn't break. Brain calls it the toughest table he's ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the fans are starting to turn on it as well. Yeah. They are not enjoying it. Now, normally, you know, weapons and tables and all that, 
gets a big reaction. But at this point, I think the fans have had enough. Yeah, because like I say, I think it's a match they'd already seen before. You know, yeah. and and the things weren't the spots weren't going right. You know, they said they had a table in the ring, and um, you know, the American Dream said that they were going to shish kebab him on the on yeah. the um table legs. You know, um, I I think the fans wanted to probably see another another go around of the Steiners and Harlem Heat, which I think we would have been happy to see as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, Rocco Rock gets clotheslined by the chain and the yeah. Nasty Boys win. Yeah. I mean, like I say, I'm not a huge fan of the Nasty Boys. Never really was. Um, I mean, Public Enemy, I used to like them in ECW. But maybe we can do a little bit on Public Enemy in WWE because they had a brief stint in WWE Very and there was story. also quite an infamous match where the Acolytes beat the shit out of them. Uh, on live TV on Heat. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, Tony Schiavone says it was, it was a mess. It was a mess. Uh, he's yeah. not wrong. Uh, they carry on brawling. Sags goes through a table and the cameraman misses it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is, that sums up the match. I mean, again, we'll try and have fun with it. And this is the fun that we're having because we now find it funny that the cameraman's missed the, the big spot of someone going through the table. That's right. Um, especially when that, you know, the indestructible table earlier on was having so much fun with the guys. Um, yeah, not not our favourite match from this show. Um, so maybe we'll move on to yep. Mean G speculating on the third man again. With the, with the security outside the outsider's locker room. Yeah, it's... Uh, they. They're really pushing this third man thing, and for good reason. Um, yeah. So we move on, and it's a little bit of memorabilia time because it is the cruiserweight title match. Yeah. Nice, dude. Nice. A nice bit of toy biz memorabilia, which uh, I got well over a decade ago. Cost me 70 of our English pounds. <laughs> I mean, now that's a bargain anywhere. It's nearly a yeah. hundred bucks if we're gonna go. Uh... Yeah, and these things go now for two fifty, three hundred. Yeah, you know, in on your WWE websites and stuff. I know you can get some dodgy ones off eBay, but I wouldn't touch those with a barge pole. Um, cruiserweight title time, Disco Inferno. There he is, the Disco Man himself. The Disco um, Inferno. We've got we've got a fair bit to say on Disco. Yeah. Um, he's taken on the champion Dean Malenko, and Dean Malenko. I've got I've I've got a quote from I think it's Tony Giovanni. Oh my goodness, he's decked out in orange. Yep. Great. <laughs> I I mean, I've got a very hot take on this match. Okay. Where. We we can all we can all we can all uh, praise the wrestling skills of Dean Malenko until which, the which cows we will. Uh, until the cows come home. His move set, um, the way he executes things. But my God, he was fucking boring sometimes. Oh, you think? Oh, dude, this match for me—it's a hot take, yeah, but it. He, he just wasn't 
selling any comebacks from 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 Disco. No matter what Disco was doing, he was just kind of no selling it, which made the match less legitimate. Um, he was just like I say, I, I'm not a fan of Dean Malenko. I okay. I don't think he had any character to him. He was he was boring, and even um, you know. This is, this is a very, very hot take. This is a boiling take. Good, this good. This is very controversial. And I wanted to see Disco Inferno win this one. No shit. Oh. Um, because, I mean, Disco Inferno, for me, right, I, I liked him. I liked the character. He was arrogant. He was a great heel. You know, he came in at the beginning of the match and he said, you know, something like, oh, Mr. Charisma over there. Mr. Personality, yeah. Mr. Personality. Bring him you out. Know, and the fact that he had like um, shake your booty on the back of his pants and that, I thought Disco Inferno worked his ass off in this match. I thought it was really great. Um, here's, here's the thing: it's not a great gimmick. It's not. It's, you know, it's a disco dancing, you know, guy in the nineties. It's it's disco stew, but in a wrestling outfit. Yeah. You know, as a Simpsons, Simpsons reference for anyone that's too young to know, like disco stew. <laughs> <laughs> But I've got a lot of time for the man putting in the effort and making the gimmick what he could. Trying to, yeah, man. And he had legitimate wrestling ability. He was great at selling. He never really bitched and moaned, you know. And me personally, I would have been pissed off if I was him working with Dean Malenko. And every time he was trying to do a comeback... It, he wasn't even selling big moves and, and stuff like that, like headbutts and stuff like that. He wasn't, you know, Malenko was just very, he's very robotic. And that's why I, I'm not a fan of Dean Malenko. It, it's just, he had every everything down. He had the moves down. He had the way he executed it, his, the, the array of moves he could do. But his character, he just didn't. But- he was a very poor. He's he's the Ice Man. He's not going to be very talkative. He's going to be steely, you know. But not even not even ice. that. Not even talkative. It's not even about the talkative for me. It's the fact that he doesn't really, rarely has any give and take. You know what annoys me in wrestling, right? You've you've these guys that basically their selling of a move is them for half a second just going like that. Right, and then they're back to normal. Right, it pisses me off because it that you're not doing the moves justice. You're not half of your job is to be giving moves and the other guy selling them, but the other half of your job is to be selling yourself. And and Dean Malenko for me was just always very poor at selling, and he in in it seemed like if he didn't feel like you were worthy to be in the ring with him. He wouldn't really go too far to sell for you. And that was what disappointed me in this match. Because it wasn't a bad match. The the, the moves were great. Um, you know, the story that they were giving was... I mean, and I get, I get obviously, Malenko, the, the story of this match was... He was beating the crap out of, um, out of uh, Disco. And he was just, you know... But Disco... They, he had a couple of good comebacks that could have been made a little bit more and could have been sold a little bit more by Malenko. But then obviously Malenko would have clawed it back a little bit again, like he did. But he just didn't... For me, it just upset me that he didn't sell better. Okay, hot take aside. <laughs> Sorry, I just went on a little bit. No, no, bit no. Of... This, is, this, this, this brings it in as well. 
because I've got, you know, I'm, I'm diving off my notes just for a second. Yeah. He says, I've got Malenko, excellent. You know, in this, he's, you know, technically really, you know, can't fault him. Yep. Is he before his time? Um, because if you look at a show like NXT, slightly smaller guys, you know, I mean, the selling has definitely changed over the years. Would Malenko fit in there perfectly as a champion or something? No, but I mean, I, I, I still think he could have, he could have. He, for me personally, he weren't doing half his job. You know, I could have called him oh. Dean half a job Malenko because, you know, it, half of your job is to sell when someone is attacking you. That's your job. And he, and, he, and he weren't doing it. Like I say, I know as we keep coming back to, I like to be positive and we always like to extenuate the positives and kind maybe, of... Maybe I should finish the point on Malenko there. Yeah, yeah, go for it. Go for it, man, honestly. Because, like I say, it's, don't get me wrong, I don't hate Malenko. I just think that he could have been taken... I don't know, he could have... Uh, I can't explain it. He, he just... For me, he, he... He... He didn't... He didn't sell... He didn't... He didn't dance well with others. You know what I mean? Um... Yeah, I sort of understand. But like I said, I think I think he's before his time. You know, selling isn't what it was. And you do go for a little bit from move to move sometimes on some of these other shows. Like, And I'm using NXT as a frame here just because it's the first one in my mind. You know, AEW2. Um, where they go move to move to move to move with a, not a lot of selling. And, you know, maybe... I, I think Malenka would have been perfect for something like that. But I if, don't if, think if we're not if we're not selling yeah. as much, then you put him in there and he's and all the technical moves, all the technical, you know, wrestling that gets so well appreciated now on shows like WWE UK and or sorry, NXT UK and NXT and all of that stuff, you know, it it would have been Malenko's playground. But yeah, like I say, I mean you could <laughs> I mean they put the, they they gave him the strap, but I believe he lost the strap to Rey Mysterio Jr. the following day he on, does, yeah. on Nitro, if I um, remember correctly. Another point, at Malenko, if we can fast forward just for a minute to around 1998, is one of the most over guys in the company. Yeah, I mean... That's a, I mean, that's a hot take. It, it's purely, a... Purely, I mean, you might want to attribute Chris Jericho to some of that. I, I believe but, I, 100% it was down to Chris Jericho because you can't have one without the other. You can't just have the Iceman persona because it just gets boring. And like I say, he had no charisma. He had no personality. He was just the Iceman. You can't ride that train. And also, let me talk about the Iceman. This is the time where you had the, the little vignettes on Nitro of Glacius or Glacier. Remember? Well, yes, it's just before Glacier turns up, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and uh, yeah, um, just it, it popped into my head when we're talking about the Iceman gimmick. But yeah, like I say, man, like it, it's all well and good. You can be technically good at wrestling, but when someone's, it's their turn to beat the snot out of you because he wasn't a big guy, Malenko. No. It's not like he was iron solid, massive, like no selling chops and all that kind of thing. He was fucking little, you know what I mean? And if a bigger <laughs> guy, no, real talk though. Like, um, Disco Inferno is bigger than him, you know, what, stronger than him. And if he's laying in a couple of shots, fucking sell them, man. Sell them. You know, you're not indestructible, Malenko. Um, you know, do your job, son. 
Okay. The Brain Buster. Great. It's excellent. Fantastic. You know, it could have been a it could have been a match finish, but it gets a two count. Yeah. Bobby, uh, Bobby Heenan makes a point during this match, and I it stuck in my head for you know enough for me to make to note it down. Learn your craft, win some titles, and then dance. You know because Disco's yeah. doing the dancing and all that, and I thought it was really like it was this and that is a that is poignant. I think that is. Um, I've got the word poignant right next to it. It's poignant because yeah. I think Bobby the Brain Heenan is trying to make the point I'm making here where you can see that, that Disco's a legitimately good wrestler, but he's not being sold by Malenko as that. It's kind of they're brushing over how good Disco really was in this match, and I thought he was really good. Well, I thought the, he was the commentary great. Booth, the commentary booth eventually starts talking about Disco's resilience and how good he is. Like, yeah. How he's really coming on, and then the uh, the clover leaf, the Texas clover leaf, like ends the match. Yeah. So they didn't they obviously didn't give him enough time. No. To get well, the the commentary team anyway didn't give enough time to get yeah. it over, and I was like, but I thought it was a good match. It, no, no, good. Don't get me wrong, good match could have been better um, if Malenko had just kind of given a little bit as well. I think he just went in there with. The, the idea, right, I've got to look really strong in this match. But, um, yeah, he, I think the comebacks could have been sold a little bit more. That was all. Because they didn't last that long. And, and Disco was bigger than him. And, you know, they could have just, he could have sold it a bit better. That's all. Like I say, I'm, I, I don't hate on Dean Malenko. But I do oh. think that he needed to have people around him to enhance his personality you know, hence he had to be working with people like Jericho. He had to be part of the Horsemen or whatever. You know what I mean? So for anyone looking to back me up on this, on how great Malenko was, feel free to, you know, follow us on Twitter at Chat Grapple Pops. Yeah. And just explain to Chris how great Malenko really was. And, you know, we're not, I don't think me and Chris are going to agree on this one at all. I, I, it's not that I don't think he's a great technical wrestler. I just think that he had in his mind that he was that was the way it was going to go, and like like I say, I just think he he wasn't a great um. Right, you okay? Let me let me show, show give you an example of what I mean. Like compared to Eddie Guerrero, right? Eddie Guerrero was an absolutely phenomenal technical wrestler. Yeah, had had a, a similar you know he 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 could. Move for move, he could wrestle with 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 um, Malenko, right? You think he could keep keep up move for move, but his charisma and the way he sold moves made the other guy look good too, you know. And it was I just felt that when whoever Malenko was wrestling, he never really made the other guy look good. You know what I mean? That's my only argument with Malenko. That's that's so my that's, only uh, That's at chat grapple pops on at Twitter. Hit me up on the, bro, hit us up on the Twitter <laughs> if people don't agree. Fuck it, bring it, dude. You know what I mean? Let's have a conversation. Let's have a discussion. You know, this is why wrestling's fantastic because some people can really dig a cat. But let's let's think about think about did 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 Malenko really draw a dime on his own? I I think there were times when Malenko could draw, yeah. That's different from. There are times when he could draw, 
But was he well, really... the times where he probably did the times where he did draw because you know this is two to tango when he is taking on Chris Jericho at the time and they're doing big business. Wonder what Jim Cornette thinks of um, Malenko. <laughs> Should we ask him? Let's ask him. But I do <laughs> think he. But but I think that wrestling is 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 poorer for the fact of the no selling aspect of it, where. It, it takes away that believability, that little bit of kayfabe where... Oh, when when, when matches jump from spot to spot to spot, it, it's difficult. It's difficult, it's difficult to believe, to, to suspend your disbelief. Yeah. You know, and this is where I think wrestlers like Malenko, that's why I don't particularly like him, because I like to look at someone taking a drop kick to the head, hold their head for a little bit and be like, fuck, I've just been kicked in the head. You know what I mean? Rather than just get up straight away and do move on to the next one. You know, um, something I noticed on the WWE Network, which was weird, is that they dubbed over Dave Penza for like two matches for some reason. I don't know why, but I'm going to stay positive in this next match. You might not do 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 as well as me because it's Joe Go Joe Gomez, and then to steal a line from a favorite film of mine, never mind that shit. Here yeah. comes Mongo. Yeah, yeah, it's um. God, you're making me look like a right negative Nancy um, <laughs> because we've gone from uh, Hadeem Malenko to um, <laughs> to Mongo McMichael. Look, I've never heard anyone go be like say that in that context. We've gone from Malenko to Mongo, and I'm still negative. Yeah, like, I, I, I. You know what? I, I, I don't like. I, I, I can't really explain. I don't like seeing people being unsafe in in the ring, right? Okay. Um, it's just my because I've been in there, right? And and I like to always know that when I was in the ring, the people that I was working with had my safety and my best interests as well as their own at heart, right? So their main aim wasn't just to get themselves over. Their, their aim was for us to work together and for us both to walk out of the ring at the end of the night and be and go home to our families. And yeah. I just think that Mongo weren't ready to be in a ring no, at such this, a level. This is, this at is this part time. of the point. It's it's Mongo with Deborah, his wife at the time, the lovely Deborah McMichael. Yeah. Uh, this match I've got it is basic. Because Mongo's green, green like green beans. Yeah, and it does get clumsy. It does, and I it, think I think this would have been better served as a two-minute squash. It would have been because then you wouldn't notice his. And I'll tell you, you know what? Squash, I am going to yeah. be positive about Mongo. I'm going to be positive about Mongo, right? Here we go, dude. Great. Okay, so the match wasn't great. And I will give you my positive point at the end of this when we get to the end of the match. So I'll give you all my negatives of what I thought of the match. And then when we get to the end, which is basically the final move, which is when I saw him go to do this move, I thought, Jesus Christ, please don't. Please don't let him. Please don't let him put someone, drop them on their fucking head. Um, so, you know, the game, the match starts, you know, um, it's um, it and it's it's weird. If you don't know wrestling and you've not been trained at wrestling, 
you wouldn't notice as many mistakes as what I'm going to say now. So really, for a casual fan, it was probably fine, okay? But it's just I noticed more things that were wrong than I probably should have noticed. Like, for example, the way he was hitting the ropes. When you run in ropes, you put your arm over the rope and then you lean back into it and you fly off it. He had his arm clenched in and he was like whacking against the rope with his arm twisted up, which is going to injure him more than anybody else. But it also means that he's not coming off the rope with any kind of force. Um, also, just little things like he, he, he botched he botched a reverse neck breaker, which is like the rude awakening. Yeah where he still held on to the guy's head as they were dropping down, and he could have seriously broke this guy's neck. That was a real... I saw that and I just was like, oh, it's a bit it's a bit dodgy. Um, he did a botched backbreaker as well. Um, so you had the botched reverse neck breaker, dangerous move, a botched backbreaker, which can also be a dangerous move if it's not done correctly, the way he was hitting the ropes. And also, he was getting drop kicked. And when he was bumping, when he, he, he was getting kicked at the front and then he was twisting round and landing on his front rather than just taking it and taking a back bump. So he, he had that fear. They call it the fear, innit? When you first start wrestling and you to do them back bumps. I've been there, dude. It's not nice. Landing yeah. on your back on a ring is fucking hard and it hurts. But if you're not over that fear, you shouldn't really be in the ring because the fear is what's going to end up hurting somebody else or hurting yourself. So, you know, those are all the just things. I just looked at it from a pure, like, wrestling point of view, looking, yeah, this guy shouldn't have been wrestling yet. But what were you saying about there's a reason why Mongo was in this position now, because I believe obviously he's been brought in to the horseman um, at this time where Brian Pillman had left because they, they played it up. There was only three horsemen for a few weeks, weren't there? There was only Arn Anderson, Ric Flair and Chris Benoit because um, Pillman had subsequently disappeared. Um, and they, they started having a thing where Deborah McMichael was in the crowd and Ric Flair kept going up to her and saying, yeah, come on, love, you know, here's some champagne and all that, um, and which culminated at Great American Bash, something happening, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Where basically there was a match, a, a tag team match, and in during the tag team match it was double A... And Ric Flair versus um, Green and uh, Mongo McMichael, the two re the two footballers, and then basically they chased Deborah McMichael out to the back. Um, woman did, and then basically they came back. She had a briefcase which was apparently full of money, chucked it to Mongo, and then Mongo whacked his pal Green over the head, and then revealed it had a Horseman T-shirt in there, and boom, he's a Horseman. Mongo, Mongo added, you know, Mongo was a Super Bowl winner. He's, you know, it adds a bit of legitimacy to the yep. horseman. You know, yep. the, you know, real sportsman, if you will. Yeah. You know, and a winner at that, being part of the team. And, I mean, it makes it makes sense from that point. But he's, he is very green and it, you know, it gets to the, I mean, I, I wasn't, Maybe I was a little bit nervous at the tombstone spot. 
but, goes up for, for the win. And... No, but the thing is, though, he executed it absolutely perfectly. He, It was an absolutely... It was a beautiful tombstone. Um, and like I say, I'll hold my hands up. Mongo, that you executed that perfectly. The guy was fine. Um, I've, I've seen Kane do some absolute dog shit tombstones and hurt people. I've seen him drop Albert. I've seen The Undertaker drop Albert on his head. I've seen Kane drop Big Albert ball. on his head multiple times in one match. Um, you know, so I, I've got to hold my hands up and say, yeah, Mongo did well with that tombstone. When I saw him lift him up and back to drop him on his head, I thought, Jesus, he's, he's no. But, he, you know, he did well. Uh, we get a nice quote from Bobby Heenan. Look at the ferociousness in the dog's eyes. Because uh, Deborah is walking out with a little poodle, is yep. it? Under her arm. Yeah. And yeah, that's a. Uh... And it was funny how um, now he's joined the horseman, Bobby the Brain Heathen's like, yeah, I've always liked him. I've always yeah. liked Mongo. And he's like, no, you haven't. You used to hate each other. He's like, no, 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 I've always liked him. It is. Uh, I mean, it cut, we cut on to, I mean, the second best interview of the night. Agreed. Means with Ric Flair, uh, Elizabeth, I'm not sure if she's Miss Elizabeth at this point, and Woman. Yeah. And this is great. Woman, Nancy Sullivan, Nancy, she's all over Mean Gene, rubbing his, you know, his, his chest. And like chest. a rash. It is fantastic. Flair. Yeah. Ric Flair is, you know, he's shouting, he's singing La Cucaracha um, <laughs> for some reason. Because they're talking about, because um, he's talking about, what's his name? He's talking oh, about yeah. Conan. And he's yeah. like, I'll tell you what's not south of the border. These two beautiful ladies right here. La Cucaracha. La Cucaracha. It's like, it is flair in his element. Styling, profiling. He's got the but, women. Great. Woman steals the, the show in this part of the interview. And Mean Gene, too. <laughs> Gene is excellent, too. He, um, Yeah, he's uh, getting hot and sweaty <laughs> as he's being rubbed all over. She sucks his ear at one point, bro. I'm 100% certain She's, she sucks his earlobe. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a fantastic interview. Which leads into the US title match, Conan as champion against Ric Flair. Um, can can I um can I just say a couple of good points from this promo because I don't want to undersell it. It was absolutely oh. fantastic. Um, you know you've got woman molesting Gene, rubbing all over him and that. You know and he, and Mean Gene saying, oh you know, oh, I can't really come because I've got prior engagements and all that. And Ric Flair says something like, look, one more advance from woman on you and you're not going to be able to go back home. You're gonna have to. You're gonna be over the road with us in the hotel, having a private party. And then, uh, yeah, she says about having a private party. And he's like, P -p 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 private p -p party. And he like yeah. drops the mic and that. Fantastic. And just at the end of it, like I say, she sucks his ear at some point, which is great. Um, and he he finishes off the promo, Mean Gene, by saying, in addition to wrestling, we're gonna have a little pole vaulting competition here. Oh, so yeah, I have. I do remember the pole vault comment. It's, so, uh, it, it, it's you know it, these things are gold let's not play play down Mean Gene's involvement in this whole pay-per-view as well he's threaded through it and and he is 
um, let's say, has a lot to do with what happens later on in the pay-per-view as well. Um, let's not go too much into that. But, yeah, so great, great promo. Sorry, dude. I just had to – can't oversell it. It was – excuse me. It was fantastic. La Cucaracha, baby. Uh, it's Conan and Ric Flair for the US title. Conan is champion. Now, did you hear the booze for Conan? Um, no, probably die. Uh, well, a, a few, but not overly. Was that yeah, probably diehard yeah. Flair fans, right? But I think at this point in this is nineteen ninety six, Ric Flair is reaching that legendary status where no one's going to boo him. They're going to cheer him wherever he goes. The only, I don't think he gets, he hears many boos until he reaches, you know, his part in evolution in WWE in 2003, where he's, yeah. you know, he's working with someone more hated than anyone at that point in Triple H. But Flair gets cheered wherever he goes at this point, And it's difficult to put him as a heel in any situation where he's chasing a title because people are going to want to see that legend just pick, win another another title. Yeah, I think this was his road back to getting another title shot, weren't it? Because yeah. it's the it's the the USA US champ. So it's like yeah. a stepping stone then towards him getting WCW always had that rule where the US champ would be the number one contender for the world championship. And I mean I'm, I think they're still following those rules at that point. Yeah. Um, do see a press slam from Conan, which is quite impressive because he's not, he's not huge. He's a big guy. Yeah. Um, woman shrieking. Oh. Uh, he's he's playing the part down there. Rick, Rick. <laughs> you know it is um it's eerie. You know she's like a banshee sometimes. Um. Just um, one thing about Conan. Conan looked quite fatigued during this match. I think he was a bit. Up. He had the the tape on his head. Yeah, he'd probably and been he... in a bit of a slobber knocker in Mexico, and he'd yeah. been wrestling quite a bit because he'd been going backwards and forwards because he'd been on Nitro, um, defending the US title and all that. Been in America, then been back to Mexico, and also just a side note. His his ring gear. Had quite a few holes in it and looked a bit tatty. What do you think? I, I didn't notice. I did, yeah, I, something I just noticed. He had a couple of holes in it and it looked a bit tatty. But, I mean, when you're working every night, yeah, you know, I mean, because, so. yeah, you know, you, you, your gear's going to get battered. And, if, and, and unless you're like Ric Flair and you have, you know, many different coloured robes and sets of boots and pants you know because flair one week had been green then he'd be in peach he looked wonderful in peach don't get me wrong right i, I you know i i've got a missus and that but rick flair looked absolutely beautiful in that in that uh pink, glorious peach um you know and and you had um miss elizabeth in the same color as him and you had woman in the in the white playing like the the innocent sweet uh, i mean I'm a real fan of those three, really. Flair, yeah. um, Miss Elizabeth and Woman. You know, it was, um, you know, they were a team. And they actually said that in in the commentary. The, them three are a team. And they worked as a team, especially during this match. Um, yeah, it's 
I mean, there is a there's a little bit of a hokey spot where a woman shakes the bottom rope and Conan falls off the top rope. Yes, yes, it, I did. Yeah, it was. Um, but it leads me into my next bit where a woman nails Conan with a low blow and the crowd loves it. Yeah, They're, I've got the low blow on my uh, notes as well. And stuff like you know, Pop. great point from Heenan. His monitor cut out right at that second, so he missed it. Ah, believe him. Yeah, I believe him too. Yep. <laughs> He's like, yeah, my monitor quit at that point. Great. Yeah. Uh, Conan puts him in a figure four, which doesn't get as many cheers as I'm sure he thought it might. Yeah. Uh, you're disrespecting a legend at this point. Um, Flair takes a top rope bump, which is always fun. I I loved it every time he did it. All day long, mate. I know some people might not like it, might not enjoy it, but... You know, I mean, even the commentary team say, look, this never works. <laughs> but it, it's, it's, it's great. And I really enjoyed that. And woman knocks out Conan with the heel of her shoe. It's a great, it's a great shot as well. And, and yeah, to Conan's credit, um, he sells it really well. Um, yeah. Like you get, you know, if if it was uh, Dean Malenko, he probably would have shook his head twice and then just carried on working. But uh, <laughs> but Conan, he, oh, he he takes the way he takes the shoe shot and then he goes, it's 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 fantastic, really good stuff. Good uh, stuff. Yeah, Flair wins it. <laughs> Sorry, dude. Flair We're gonna it. get some shit for this one. <laughs> Flair wins it to massive cheers as a you know really nice pop for Flair winning more gold, and I've got here woman was gold as well here like she's brilliant in this. She gives like, it like that to Conan as they're walking away, like really really good stuff. Um, he goes dancing away as well with the belt. He's uh he's got a night of partying ahead of him. Beautiful mate, maybe Mean Gene did too. Mean Gene is the next next point. He's eavesdropping to find the third man. Yeah. Um, I think I think things are getting desperate because yeah. they can't find off. They're trying to find out who the third man is to no avail, and that leads on to the Horsemen, Benoit and Arn Anderson going up against Sullivan and the Giant. Um, I think if the Horsemen win, Ric Flair gets a title shot on Nitro. Correct. Um, and this is a weird start because the horsemen attack. Um, they attack. They get attacked before the entrance. Yeah. And Mongo comes out, and it's all a bit hectic. It's almost like you know the the match isn't going to go ahead. Yeah. And Giant chases Mongo away, and you're left with two on one against Sullivan, which I'm guessing is to. Give Sullivan a bit of heat. It's his hometown. Maybe try and get some cheers on him because he, I mean, he doesn't get a lot of cheers in general. No. And my hot take for the evening is that I'm not. I've never been a big fan of Kevin Sullivan in the room. Um. What one spot at the beginning of this match, Kevin Sullivan picks up a normal chair, um, and nails Double A at the back of the head with it, and you can see the edge, the rim of the chair cracks Double A right at the back of his head. Um, and it's just like a normal chair. It's like a normal metal chair. Yeah. Um, I'm, really like weird. I said, I've never been a big fan of Kevin Sullivan in the ring. I don't know how you feel about it, but 
it was it was weird. Um, I mean, I I liked the whole character of him. I, w I was never really a huge fan. I mean, um, it, it, in the interview before when they were talking with me and Gene and the Giant says, you know, he's not the weak link of the team. Talking about Sullivan, he's the backbone. And then Sullivan's like doing all this and he's like saluting and everything like that. And you know, yeah, like um... I say, I, I I was I was a bit. I, I was neither here nor there, really, on Sullivan, yeah. Uh, Benoit's chops, stiff as hell yeah. on this. Uh, he is laying it on thick with Sullivan. And, you know, we'll just stick to the wrestling. He is really going in on it. And Sullivan's giving him as good as he can as well. But it's uh, it's a tough night for Kevin Sullivan's chest. There's a few stiff shots going in in this match. Um, I mean, remember, this is like for the giant. I mean, he seems like he's the only face, like only baby face in the match. He's, I mean, he's lean and mean here, isn't he? He's. Yeah, he, he didn't really get a look in in the match, really. Um, no, they kept him. I mean, that was the story of the match. They wanted to keep the giant out because obviously he's the big guy. They wanted to keep uh, Sullivan in their corner and keep working on him. That was the angle they were going with. Um, but again, Benoit weren't weren't selling anything in this match at all. He weren't. He was getting poked in the eye, and it weren't even making a difference. He was just going and then just carrying on like it was. Uh, it was a bit of a strange one this match for me. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't click for me. No. Um, and we get to some, get to two sloppy spots for Sullivan. It's a slingshot, yep. and then an awkward back suplex on Arn. Yes, I've got terrible slingshot on Arn. Yeah. Yeah. A couple of couple of weird spots. Yeah. But we do get the hot tag to the giant, which is you know, place seems to enjoy it. The fans go wild for it. Yeah. And this is where Benoit and Sullivan end up at the commentary position. Correct. And they're just they're brawling it out there. Giant hits a big choke slam on arm, gets a three count. But that seems really unimportant at this point. Yeah. The cameras are just cutting straight back to Sullivan and Benoit. Yeah. You know, going at it at the uh, on the beach. <laughs> There's no uh, no surfboards or no. rubber sharks in this one. It's just it's just fists and fire. And, and Bobby the Brain Heenan telling them, "Get out of here." Get out of here! Yeah. <laughs> Tell him Benoit, get get him out, take him back. Uh, Benoit continues to batter Sullivan in the ring before Woman makes a, another appearance, and she's pleading with Chris to to stop, which is, I mean, it is weird. It's weird because. It doesn't make no sense. Do, do people publicly know at this point that Nancy and Kevin are together? Unknown for me. I mean, I mean, did she start in the Dungeon of Doom? No. So this is what I mean. It's it is weird because that now they're trying. Why, because even the commentators are saying, why is she coming out? Why is she coming out and telling him to stop? You know, so it didn't at this point, it didn't make much sense. Um, yeah. But obviously going forward, the angle going forward past this, it would make sense. But on this night, um, it didn't really make any sense. And also it seemed like um, 
as as they were both in the ring and Chris Benoit got out the ring and woman got out the ring when the giant came back, that double A was trying to see if um, Sullivan was okay. Um, yeah. It was just um, a bit blatant. It was a yeah, it was a it was an odd turn that one. It was a weird one, yeah, definitely. Like I said, there's plenty much to talk about on that whole thing, but we're gonna we're gonna leave that for another day because it's main event time. It's main event time, baby. And it's our hostile takeover match. Yes. Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and Extra Man against Sting, Luger, and Randy Savage. Now, I found as many credible third man conspiracies as I could find, and I got four. Okay. Um, Have you got any? No, go for it. The most hilarious one, which was eventually debunked by Eric Bischoff, was that Mabel was going to be the third man. Okay. Um, Mabel, Viscera, whatever you want to call him. I mean, that would have been hilarious. <laughs> Men on a mission. Exactly. At this point, he's wearing purple and gold. And, you know, I think he's main event in one show. Was he King Mabel at that point? He'd been King Mabel. <laughs> I know he injured Diesel at SummerSlam or something. And yeah. Yeah, just, I mean, the Mabel one was a good one. Um, British Bulldog. Okay. Was another one. Um, I didn't see a lot about it. I just know that, you know, he might have been approached about doing something. Yokozuna. Now, I'm not sure where you, what Yoko's doing at this point. I couldn't. I couldn't place what Yoko was doing in mid ninety six. Ninety six, no. And the last one, because his contract was up around that time, was Brett. And okay. that would have been. I think that was probably the only one that would have been <clears throat> any. But it wasn't Brett. I'm going to spoil that bit for you. It wasn't Brett. Well, it. He... In the in the in the promo that they had Mean Gene before the promo yeah. where there was he was saying right there's still no Bischoff I'm here outside with the guards um, I've heard the third man's voice there's definitely three men in there and I can hear this voice it's familiar but I can't place it who it is um, and then you've got Heenan saying pay the guards pay the guards yeah. <laughs> pay pay the guards to find out and tell them who's been in there but he kept saying look I know I know the voice but I can't place it it's someone that we've seen but I, I, I can't place it so that was go, going into the match just to make it feel as big as bigger than it already is we have Michael Buffer in the ring doing the introductions he is the big time boxing ring announcer he's you know the ready to rumble stuff he's a you know he's a massive name and i'm sure he was paid handsomely for the work he did with wcw he did quite a lot didn't he yeah a lot of main events including nitros yeah um, the outsiders paul and nash make their way out mean gene is he must have ran he's he's everywhere tonight down to the ring demanding to know who the third man is yeah Ash says he's here and he's ready. Yeah. But he and says... Oh, go on. Keenan makes the point that it could be Dusty. Yeah. 
I'm I'm gone at this point. I'm oh, like this is peaking. Um, Savage, Luger, and Sting come to the ring. You know, it's you know the, the commentary team really play up how you know the, the gravity of the situation and how big this could be. And then a couple of minutes in, Luger gets wiped out of a sting of splash. Yeah, it's um, it's a weird one because they, they, the outsiders, Hall and Nash, they're saying that the, in the pre-match thing, I said, look, we, we're enough to deal with these right here. Don't worry about the third guy. Just worry about us right now. Yeah, he's yeah. here, he's ready, and we're enough to take you lot on now. And then it's a very strange spot because, yeah, Luger's kind of got his head near the post and then you've got Nash on top of him and then Sting comes in for a Stinger Splash and he kind of gets sandwiched underneath Nash with the Stinger Splash and then he just falls to the outside of the ring. Falls to the floor and this is my, like, I found a positive spin on this. Is that WCW made it seem almost, almost legitimate because the response was, you know, there was confusion around the ring. Yeah. Things looking around like, what the hell? Yeah. They kept you going know, and Paul, checking Paul him. And have, Paul and Nash have stopped as well. Yeah. And the EMTs make their way to the ring pretty quickly. Yeah. And I thought, you know what, this is, you know, it, it's got all the hallmarks of real injury, which is completely different to what WCW did when Buff Bagwell broke his neck in the ring yeah. on TV, like, a couple of years later. Like, it just makes you wonder, like, you know, you know, a geezer can, you know, legitimately break his neck and lie in the ring paralysed and nothing happens, no one comes out and Luger can take a pretty minor bump on a ring post and lie on the floor for a bit and the ENTs are straight down there. Yeah. It's... It's wrestling at its, at its strangest. Um, I also put in my notes that, you know, a, in any sort of strange booking, you would think Luger might be the third man. I, You know what? I actually, I actually was going to say that when you said if there's any theories um, about it. I was going to say the only theory that I was, was that Luger was faking it that he was then going to come back as the third yeah. man because he was another ex-WWF guy that had been around the block and uh, was w- would have been a possibility, yeah. Um, they, I mean, they eventually carried it turned into a regular tag match at this point. Yeah. Um, and the commentary booth was selling it like mad. They're demanding that the third guy come out here right now. And- yeah. They should know who it is, and it's just like it's so like it's really well done. Yeah, and you know it's like it's like Hall and Nash are the biggest threats to their livelihood. You know they send people come out from the locker room and just beat them up and all this. It's like um, I've got that Savage Randy Savage is as as intense as ever here. Yeah, he was a live wire on the on the ring apron because Sting is the one taking the beating. Yeah. And he just, yeah, he's just, he's just a, he's all over the place, Savage. He's like, he's, he's a wild man of before, of, you know, yeah. he's really loving 
his spot on the show. Um, I really there's a there's a drop kick to the knee to Nash's knee. Yeah. From Sting, I really liked it. I, don't I know thought what, it was great. Yeah. Oh yeah, I thought it was a really good spot. Like I love a drop kick to the knee. I think yeah. it's one of the great, great spots because it looks legit as fuck. It looks, you know, if someone drop kicks you to the knee, you know. If someone has a mess, yeah. Yeah, so it'll take you down, man. It'll take you down. Um, we spoke last last week or last episode about Scott Hall and how I thought he was one of the best, one of the top workers in the world in 95. He looks just as good in 96. Oh, he's good. He's, yeah, he's, you know, really on top form. Big, strong. Yeah. Confident. Arrogant. Good. Yeah. Um, Sting would eventually get the, the hot tag to Savage and That's the right. place start losing it. Yeah. Um, we are getting to it. Uh, we are getting to it. Um, the hot tag savage, savage is you know laying waste to everything. Ref turns his back and Nash hits him with a big low blow. Right, you know, two hands underneath. Bosh. And and it's it's pretty much almost to the like couple of seconds later, you see everyone stand up in the crowd. Yeah. We hear is Dusty saying Hulkamania. Yeah. Because here he comes, you know, in his de facto hometown. It's Florida. Yeah. Hogan. In the yellow and uh, yellow and red. Exactly. Hogan in yellow and red comes down to big cheers because it is it's it's Hogan's home. It's Hogan's it's Hogan's town. It's Hogan's area. And Bobby Heenan almost ruins it. Well, they initially cut it out of the of one of the of, of one of the broadcasts, I believe. They cut it. They cut it out on a Hogan DVD. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure they probably cut it out on the replay. Yes, the they they cut it out on the replay when he says, "What side is he on?" Right. Yeah. And yeah, they. Uh, I mean, it immediately gets squashed by Tony and Dusty. Yeah. You know, as in, you know, what are you talking about? But Hogan in the ring, shirt ripped off. It's classic Hogan. And they're like, get him, Hogan, get him. Now, I see a bit of doubt in his eyes. What, because before? He'd, he'd been thinking about it and he'd been on the phone to Bischoff and stuff all day because he wasn't sure. Really? He thought it was going to kill his merch, his business, his like his money. And I, I feel like you can see it just for a split second. You can see that he's not convinced. But then he does it. Before, be, before, it, you you can see a bit of hesitation before yeah. he drops the uh, the leg, heard around the world. It's yeah, he he big you know the leg drop of doom on Savage. Commentators are struck. Fans go quiet for a minute. Heenan's like he's the third man. Yeah, Heenan knew it all along. He knew it. (laughs) 
you know, Sting is kicked to the side. He's thrown out. You know, Hogan lays in a couple more leg drops on Savage. Yeah. The ref is thrown out. Yeah. Count a, a bogus three with yeah. Hall counting. Um, it's at this point, it's just it's just chaotic in the ring. Yeah. And you can feel genuine heat. You can oh, that's you know you can feel the genuine like the commentators are like I cannot believe this. Um, you know, it, it's I, I can't believe it. You know, it was the it was the amount of leg drops as well because he hits the first leg drop and then he hits another one and then they drag the ref out and then he leg drop like it's like man, it gives you that whoa, is this actually happening kind of thing, you know? And then he, he points to the guys, you know, and they come in and that, and then, you know, it, uh, yeah. and then in comes the uh, debris. Uh, yeah, the uh, the fans start throwing stuff in the ring, uh, the rubbish and their, you know, cups of drink and whatever. Uh, also, just quickly... Some signs were taken away by security at the beginning of this match. So whether that sign said Hogan's the third man or whatever, I can imagine that's why they took it. I will rewatch it and try and find out what it says or if they've cut it or whatever. But um, ju just a quick one, dude. Do you reckon? Um, do you reckon Vince McMahon has ever watched this? He must have. What do you mean, bash at the beach? Yeah. I'm sure someone would have told him about it. He's not big on watching other shows. I mean, think about this. Even this is the death of Hulkamania, right? Something that you've built up with Hulk Hogan over X amount of years. He's gone to this other company and he's been flying the Hulkamania flags. He's had the T-shirts with Hulkamania on it. And this has happened. Like, someone would tell you, wouldn't you be like, oh, shit, I need to see that. Like, wouldn't you be like... Maybe. Damn, I need to see this shit. Or maybe he was just like, damn, why didn't we think of it? I'm sure at some point it might have crossed his mind. This is the biggest heel turn ever, isn't it? Yeah. You know... It, the only one I can ever think that would be bigger is if John Cena came out and turned heel. Not happening. It's never happening, is it? Um, but that is because he would have never Hogan would have never turned heel in WWF for the simple fact that um, you know they would have said that don't sell merch. It don't sell merch. You can't go and do the um, the sick and dying kids. Last with Make a Wish Foundation if you're a heel. Um, sorry, dude, not gonna. They, it wouldn't have even crossed their mind. Wouldn't have even crossed their mind. So, Mean Gene gets into the ring. Hogan tells the fans to shut up, which I mean, it's already, you know, chucking petrol on the heat that he's already got. The funny bit about this was National Hall doing the Hogan poses in the background. They were doing that over the when people were throwing stuff in. You know what? At this point, after all the leg drops and then they drag, they they roll out 
savage. Mean Gene comes in dodging drinks and fry yeah. packets and that. It's at this point when Hogan looks around, yeah, and just probably thinks, man, this is real. This is real heat. Like, and and, and, and yeah. this is the best promo that I think I've ever seen Hulk Hogan do or ever will see him do, I think, personally. Uh, you could be right. It's uh, He says that it's the future of wrestling that they've got there. You know, it's, it's the new world order of wrestling, mm-hmm. which, I mean, it, I mean, that begins to sell itself. Yeah. He says, who knows more about that big organization up north than him? He says, I helped build that organization up north. He made people millionaires, billionaires, whatever you wanted to say. Yep. Yep. Um, and Hogan said he got bigger than that organization. Yeah. And he said that billionaire Ted, which was, I thought was a bit strange bringing up the reference of billionaire Ted, considering that he was being used on WWF TV as, you know, a bit of a, bit of a clown, a bit of a, that's right. Yeah, they, they were probably really mocking him on Federation. Yeah, they had the Nacho Man, didn't they? They had the Nacho Man, Billionaire Ted, you know, Huckster. Skin Jean. He said that Billionaire Ted had promised him movies and millions. Yes. And that he was bored. Yep. And he said, I'm bored, brother. It's just, the guys. If you have not seen this event, this is an event that changed the way the wrestling business worked, ultimately. It is a time when, you know, when kayfabe or whatever you want to call it, the, you know, the the real life aspects of what's going on and the, the shoot aspects of it was starting to actually be brought into the product. And and Vince saw this as well as a time when they started changing, right? Yeah, Vince would eventually see it. I think Eric was just a little bit ahead of him. Yeah. On this, um, Hogan says they're going to take over. That it, as far as he's concerned, the crap in the ring represents the fans. Because because Mean Gene, yeah, Mean Gene says. Look, look at these people. They're angry. Look at all the crap in this ring. And then without a second hesitation, he says, to me, this crap in this ring represents these fans out here. And then the drinks start coming. He gets caned with like, and you can see the drinks splashing everywhere. This is legitimate. And then that's when he says, you fans can stick it. Fans can stick it, brother. Right. It's, oh, it's amazing stuff. I mean, he... I mean, I think one of the best lines is that he says that Eric Bischoff would still be selling meat from a truck in Minneapolis. Yeah, dude. If it wasn't for me, that's right. <laughs> I mean, I think he screws up his lines a couple of times because he calls it the New World Organization. That's right. But, you know, we'll skip over that. That's, you know, minor. In the heat of the point. moment, you can yeah. forgive him because in all the years, all Hogan had ever known, yeah, all he'd ever known was... Baby face, baby face, baby face, say your prayers, drink your milk, da, 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 da. You know, it, that's all he'd ever known. This was even uncharted territory for Terry Bollea. He'd never been. He'd had heel runs way back in the like early 80s. Like, but really, not, not to the. Yeah, yeah, 
you know, it, it is, you know. And we've got the sign-off because Tony Schiavone says we've seen the end of Hulkamania. That's right. Hulk Hogan, you can go, you can go to hell, straight to hell. And then we've got the credits. Executive uh, producer. Yeah, Mr. Bischoff. <laughs> so he was there somewhere. That's right. And then after this, I watched the um, I watched the two-hour episode of Nitro that was done at um, Disney World. It's MGM. Isn't MGM, it? yeah. So they all, yeah, that's it. MGM Studios, um, and that that is where they coin the name Hollywood Hogan. Yeah. And I can't remember who it is. It might be Arn Anderson. It's someone calls him Hollywood Hogan. And here's another one of my WCW cards. Hollywood Hogan. It's where it all begins. And I mean, that kicks off an era in Nitro, of Nitro that is like excellent, really good shows. Yeah. Like, you know, there's the one where they're Hall and Nash, I think, uh, attacking Rey Mysterio and Arn and stuff outside of... Throwing him up against it. And and this was also a time where you never saw the back truck. You never no. saw, you know, the... um, You know, because I've got the back in black, the NWO uh, VHS. And um, I've got it on DVD as well, actually, but I've got the VHS of back in black, um, which is a WWF release. And... Um, you know, it, it, they're saying, look, they, you never saw... Because they were going back, taking the headsets off people, weren't they? Yeah. They were going, yeah. taking the headsets yeah. off all the production guys, throwing them out the chairs, sitting in the chair, saying, right, we're taking over, mate. This is... And it, that was... It was the New World Order taking over WCW, and it was like splitting the brand. And that's when it all... You know, nothing nothing really was the same after that, you know, it, it, yeah, that was definitely... the goal, wasn't it? to split the brand and make NWS own entity, which didn't quite happen. But I mean, what a, what a run for the next like two years. Absolutely. And it's, it's WCW just picking up, you know, you know, winning, you know, winning the war with WWF for a long time. And just yeah, being I mean, it was a better product, for sure. It 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 was. It it, it for for a certain age group that were the ones that were gonna be spending the money as well, you know? Um it it was definitely um it was definitely making money hand over fist, but then we obviously later find out the amount of money it was costing them to to, to keep these guys and you know there was also a lot of other stuff when you get these guys with favored nation status contracts yeah where you know basically if anyone else comes into the company and gets more money than you your salary automatically gets bumped up to theirs um i mean i have a i have a strange fact for for this one is that wcw like Nitro was on TNT in the UK on Friday nights, and Sky would yeah. put WWF Raw on a Friday night as well, um, around about the same time. And Nitro never beat Raw once in the UK. In the 
Yeah, and not and TNT was free. It was, yeah, it was a free yeah. movie channel. Yeah. Never beat never beat Raw in the UK once. I, I thought that was a, a astounding sort of like fact. I think it's maybe the um, the age group of the viewer. Um, yeah. The age group, the average age group of the of the viewer in the UK at that time was probably solely on the WWF product at that time, um, and it, it, in America the demographic was probably different. As all I can say, really, because they 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 were they were doing W they were beating WWF in in America every week on the ratings. It's uh, yeah, that was a uh, was a weird one. Like I sort of stumbled across, but there we have it. That's right. Another one in the books. This uh, Bash at the Beach '96. Bash at the Beach '96, the birth of the NWO the and Hollywood of- Hogan. Yeah. I had a lot of fun watching this. Yeah, definitely. I I watched it a couple of times. Um, and I'll tell you what, right? I'll tell you what we'll do. We, uh, um, myself and Jordan, we uh, we like to collect stuff. We, we're huge wrestling collectors. We are, um, you know, we've got figures. We've got um, T-shirts. We've got sticker books. We've got cards. We've got, you know, we, we've got it all. So I'll tell you what, if... Uh, if we can get if we can get x amount of likes on on this on this video right and we can get more comments on this video if you can comment nwo hashtag nwo and we can get what a hundred likes on this on this video it's not too much to yeah, ask one. if we one can one. get a hundred likes on this video um then and if you put in the comments hashtag NWO, I will send you. We'll pick a person at random, and I will send you this NWO Hollywood Hogan card. All right. So if we can get a hundred likes on this video, um, hopefully more subscribers, then just comment hashtag NWO, and all the people that comment hashtag NWO in the comments, we will pick one at random, and then I will get onto those people, and I will send them this Hollywood Hogan 1998 Tops card. So there you go, a little giveaway, first little giveaway. And yeah, I think with that, we'll... uh... We'll say good night. Um, thank you to anyone that's still watching, anyone that's carrying on watching us and enjoying what we're doing. And yeah, just what, you're gonna do the uh, subscribe and like. Like and subscribe, man. Like I say, we'd love oh. to get our um, subscription rates up on YouTube. So when you like the video, please subscribe. Comment hashtag NWO in the comments. But yeah, please like this video. Subscribe. Um, get to get onto us on Twitter and if anyone has got um, a little bit of beef to pick with me over this guy here um, if anyone has a, a differing opinion to me then I'm happy to have be, the conversation Malenko fans get at him yeah man Malenko nice. fans That's nice. right. remember be nice we're always nice here, we're always yeah. nice you know everything's always said tongue in cheek and we're always just being cheeky with it we're a couple of cheeky English lads love to hear from some American uh, guys and gals 
um, as well as the British guys and gals. But, you know, we're just a couple of cheeky English chappies drinking cups of tea and eating fish and chips. But we bloody love wrestling and we're going to keep smiling and we're going to keep doing this thing. So, yeah, get us on Twitter at Chat Grapple Pops. We are Chris Dredd, the main man, JB, a.k.a. Jordan. What Just, can we uh, say? Before we go, thank you to uh, anyone that's carried on watching that stayed up or hasn't fallen asleep. Yep. Uh, thank you to treeoflifeframing.com for those awesome hoodies that yep. we showed last week. If anyone's got any interest in those hoodies, give them a shout. Or give us a shout here and we'll fix it up. Absolutely. And that's a, yeah, that's a thank you from me. Thank you from Chris. Yeah, dude. And we'll see you again soon. See you soon, guys. Cheers.